We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, we take a walk down memory lane, back to 1992, and Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy's statement, where he said, we have the right to define what it means to be a human being. And with that statement, he opened up Pandora's box and released a kraken upon all of society that's consuming us right now. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's rebellion. As I said in the introduction, today's topic is a few years old. It's a statement made by Justice Anthony Kennedy back in 1992, and it's a statement that I believe set the context for much that ails us today, for the insanity that we're suffering, for the craziness of LGBTQ fluid identity claims, for the insanity that we're suffering at the hands of critical race theory, microaggressions, cancel culture, trigger warnings, and everything that's taking place in our culture today, the black against white narrative, where we're dumbing down the definition of a human being to the point where if you have a certain color of skin, you're less than fully human. And by definition, you're evil. You're a bad person. This is a very dangerous place for us to be right now, people. And I believe we're in this mess right now because we bought the lie. We drank the Kool-Aid. And it goes back to at least 1992 and the words of Justice Anthony Kennedy. That's what I'm going to talk about today. And I'm going to use the article that I wrote for the Washington Times this past weekend as the platform, as the premise for today's show. Before we get into any of that, remember that if you'd like to subscribe to The Rebellion, I obviously encourage you to do so. And you can pull that off. You can go subscribe to The Rebellion by going to patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. That's patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. We're up to over 21,000 listens per month right now for The Rebellion. And as I've said on previous shows, I'm very grateful to all of you who are subscribing. And I want to thank you publicly again right now on this show. But I also want to encourage you to do something that will keep the momentum going. Post your favorite episodes of The Rebellion out there in your social media world. Choose one or two or five editions, five of the shows, and post them out there and encourage other people to listen. That's the way we build more followers. So in addition to subscribing, please consider posting some of these episodes out there. And obviously, if you listen to this show live on KOKL 1240 on your dial, you can go access the show that you enjoyed via the podcast on SoundCloud or Spotify or Apple. You can choose whatever platform you wish, 
and download those shows and then post them in your social media world. So please consider doing that. And also, don't forget my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. And you can purchase that, as I've said, at any of the online bookstores that you enjoy using or that you do use for your reading material. Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com. If you don't want to use Amazon, you can get it in a variety of other ways by just going and Googling or searching, whatever search engine you use. Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good comma, Everett Piper, and you will access the various different ways that you can purchase that book. Let's take a break, thank our sponsors, and when I get back, we're going to talk about Anthony Kennedy's statement back in 1992 that opened up Pandora's box and released this kraken of craziness on our culture that you read about today in the Daily News. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to the rebellion. Uh, as you read the daily news, you know that something's wrong. I don't care who you are. I mean, even the progressives that disagree with almost everything I say are angry and scared. They're vindictive. They're protective. Oh, they're doing it for different reasons than I am. But they're challenging in a very aggressive way everyone that disagrees with them because they think our culture is a mess. Now, they will say it's because of religion. They will say that if you Christians would just shut up and go away, we wouldn't be suffering these problems. They say that it's the fundamentalism and the legalism of conservative Christians that has led to this mess, and that if Christianity, the opiate of the masses, this uh, self-righteous worldview would just go away, that we would all be in a some sort of utopian land of, you know, great big group hug, I guess. I don't know what they think. What they don't understand is when they accuse Christians of being judgmental and fundamentalists, that they're sawing off the branch upon which they sit. I'll say that one more time. They're sawing off the branch upon which they sit because by saying that I'm judgmental. They're judging me for being judgmental, and they're proving themselves to be the very thing that they're condemning. Again, it's the same old saw of progressive ideology, the progressive worldview, is it can't stand on its own. It's self-refuting at every turn. It's hypocrisy. It's the same thing as saying, I can't tolerate your intolerance, or I hate you hateful people. By saying those things, you prove yourself to be the very thing that you're condemning, and therefore you're condemning yourself. That's why I say you're sawing away upon the branch, at the branch upon which you sit. And it's going to come tumbling down, and that's where we find ourselves in culture right now. Well, how did we get in this mess? Why are we here? Well, I want to go back to the words of 1992 Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy when he wrote, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and the mystery of life. Close quote. He wrote that in, uh, I think it was Casey versus Planned Parenthood. 1992. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, 
and the mystery of life. Now, that sounds really good. In fact, I'm going to read it to you one more time so you can grab a hold of those words because I'm going to say that there's a lot wrong with this. And your first reaction may be, well, yeah, that makes sense. I applaud that. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, right? Of meaning, of the universe, and the mystery of life. What's wrong with that? Piper, why are you making a big deal about this? Well, I'm going to explain to you why. And I'm going to get into the issue of Imago Dei again, the image of God or Imago Dog. That's something I covered last week. It's something I've covered repeatedly on this show. But Kennedy's words expose the lie in spades. And I'm going to explain to you why. When he said that, Justice Kennedy, the guy who was emblematic of what it meant to straddle the fence, in fact, he still is. Everybody wonders who the Supreme Court justice uh, that currently serves, who is in the Supreme Court right now, who's going to take the baton and straddle the fence. A lot of people are suggesting that it's now the Supreme Court Justice, the Chief Justice, uh, Roberts, that he's the one straddling the fence. He's the swing vote. It's We're kind of shocked. We're stunned. We didn't expect this of him. Even those who served him in previous positions, served as a clerk for him when he was at a lesser role, when he was a federal judge, are surprised to find out that he's doing what he's doing right now. But that's another story. That's another show. So the man who was emblematic of straddling the fence, in fact, if you would have looked it up in the encyclopedia or if you would have Googled straddled the fence, you'd find Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy. With those words, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, and of the universe, and of the mystery of life, close quote, with those words, I'm arguing that he opened up Pandora's box and released a curse on our culture of Herculean proportions. I mean, when you consider the headlines, proponents of critical race theory double down in suggesting that people with paler skin are actually less human than persons of color, and they're doing this repeatedly. They're doing this repeatedly. In fact, I'm going to cover some of those stories in the subsequent shows this week. This is a very dangerous place for us to be. When you start talking about other human beings as being less human, you are on the doorstep of what the Nazis did in labeling Jews as being descendants of pigs and apes. They really did this. Go back and check your history. They dumbed down the the definition, excuse me, They dumbed down the definition of the human being to the point where human beings who were of Jewish descent were not considered to be fully human. They were less than. That's the language that Nick Cannon is using. That's the language that Nicole Hannah-Jones is using. That's the language that a lot of the talking heads are using right now. They're talking about black people and white people as if we've got two different kinds of people and that one is less than the other. That's the opposite of Martin Luther King's admonition to judge people by character and not color, and it's the opposite of the biblical worldview where the Apostle Paul makes it clear 
that no human being can say to another human being, I have no need of you. The body of Christ is a unified body. It's a unity. It's a unit. It comes together. It is not something that is divided. The body of Christ stands for univerity, univeritas. That's why I say I was the president of a university and not the president of a diversity. I digress. Let's get back to the story. So, headlines. Critical race theory. People are less than human because of the color of their skin. Then one of last week's big stories was sociologists like Kyle Myers and her husband Brent Courtney. They made national news for raising their child to choose his or her, I don't know, we don't know, own gender as early as age five. They actually used gender-neutral communication in their home to the extent that they wouldn't allow anybody to talk about their child being a boy or a girl. They wouldn't even tell anyone. Rather, their child was a biological male or female because they wanted this five-year-old to choose his or her own gender. That's crazy. Five-year-olds know nothing. They'll choose to believe they're Superman or Tarzan if you let them. Like I've said before, they think that they're purple dinosaurs. They think that they're Barney. Every child has an imagination, and the imagination is good. I don't want to disparage that, but you do not allow them to define reality by virtue of their imagination. Then we have pride marchers, like our vice president, Kamala Harris, and the first gentleman, Doug Imhoff, boldly strutting our streets, declaring that their sexual inclinations are one and the same with their human identity. Now, I'm going to argue that all of these stories have one thing in common. All of them, everything I just cited, and tons more, everything is an example of doing precisely what Justice Kennedy told us to do. All of these things are tales of choosing to define our own concept of existence, to use Kennedy's language. Choosing to decide for ourselves what it means to be human. Now, this is the seminal issue of our time. I talked about it last week, and I've talked about it repeatedly before that. I think the seminal issue, the big question of our time, the question that drives all others, is the question of what it means to be a human being. Questions like this, are we morally culpable? Do we choose our actions? Do our appetites and our desires define us? Can we and should we rise above our instincts and our inclinations? We need to ask these questions. Can we decide to behave differently? Are we defined by the color of our skin or the content of our character? Is there such a thing as an objective male and female? If we can't get the answers to these questions right, then everything else, everything else, all else will be wrong in the wake that follows. These are important questions, and they all go back to the definition of what it means to be a human being, the definition of reality. And Kennedy was arguing that each one of us can choose to define our own concept of existence. It doesn't matter what reality is. You can choose differently. That's what he said. Now, don't argue that he didn't. He did, and he opened up 
Pandora's box. And we're suffering the consequences of that broken worldview, that broken idea that came straight out of the Supreme Court via Justice Anthony Kennedy in Casey versus Planned Parenthood, 1992. Now, if you go back and look at the worldview of Judeo-Christianity, and you could argue it goes back 5,000 years, you'll see that the Judeo-Christian tradition has affirmed that we are the Imago Dei. That's why I keep saying it over and over again. It's 5,000 years of wisdom, time-tested truths, that God endowed us with his image. He created us, Imago Dei, the image of God. We are made in his image. We are not the Imago dog. We are not animals. Now, this time-tested truth elevated us. It elevated mankind to an objective good. And it was a worldview that did that like no other. And for centuries, this worldview has stood in direct opposition to our hell-bent determination to diminish men and women to little more than the products of intersectionality and the libidinous fantasies of those who deemed themselves to be the fittest to survive, the survival of the fittest. We are smarter than all of the rest of you. We are fit. You are not. We are human. You're less than. Language that's being used today, it goes back to Kennedy. Now, we need to ask ourselves, how did we get here? Are we just the products of the primordial ooze? Are we nothing but evolved beasts that have risen triumphantly out of the Marxian swamp? Are, are we simply happenstance and chance? Do we have moral significance above that of a dog, a pig, a cat, a cow, or even a virus? Why shouldn't the virus win? Why shouldn't COVID-19 prevail? Why should we win if it's all live and let live, the survival of the organism that is the most fit? If the virus is more fit than you and me, then why in the world is it morally wrong to let the virus win? Maybe that'll be good for creation. Well, creation. They don't believe anything was created. Maybe that'll be good for the environment to let the virus win and get rid of all of us. You ever think of that? Or here's the question. Are we somehow different than all of the rest of what we see around us? Are we different than a virus? Are we different than the cow or the horse or the dog that doesn't sit around and talk about justice and tolerance and love and inclusion? I mean, we believe in justice. We talk about civil rights. We are indignant when we see something that we consider to be wrong. And even those disagreeing with this show and my commentary right now are saying, you're wrong. I disagree with you. Guess what? My horses that I'm going to go out and feed in a minute and the cows that I will follow up and feed two steps later don't care whether I'm right or wrong right now. They aren't listening to this show and they won't have any disagreement if they did. They're not morally aware. They don't care about love and inclusion, equality, or fairness. I mean, come on. Are you going to argue with me differently? Are you going to suggest that somehow those things, those creatures, those beasts, are on the same moral plane as you and me? Do they know that rape is wrong? Do they think slavery should be reviled? Do they think that greed is good or bad? What about the Holocaust? Do the horses and cows and the pigs and the rats... Do they think the Holocaust was a bad thing? 
I mean, these are questions that we have to answer, and you can't define your own existence outside of the objective truths that are necessary to answer those questions. Do you still believe in science? Do you believe in biology? Do you believe in physiology, genetics? Is the human being an objective reality, or is it just a social construct? The answers to these questions are the predicate for everything else. Defining the human being is the starting point for all that follows. And failing at this first thing, C.S. Lewis again, first things. Failing at this first thing will only impede any meaningful quest for justice, righteousness, meaning, and individual or corporate happiness. Happiness defined not as pleasure, but as purpose, the pursuit of purpose, the opposite of haplessness. So here's the point. Getting the answers wrong to everything I just asked is lying to ourselves. Getting the answer wrong to human existence, human definition, is lying to ourselves. M. Scott Peck called it the diabolical human mind. You lie to yourself long enough and you start to believe your own lies. Graham Walker called it the pathology of the intellect and Augustine warned of it. Augustine warned of it. Just shy of 2,000 years ago, he called it the Fantastica Fornicato. I covered that in a previous show. The prostitution of the mind. You're selling yourself out. You're prostituting your mind. This is the pathology of the intellect, the diabolical human mind. It's what the apostle call called the reprobate mind. So here's the thing. The biggest question of our time is who are we? And the biggest deception of our time is the lie that slithered out from Justice Kennedy's Pandorian box back in 1992, the idea that we can decide who we are. We can decide who we are and that we have the right to determine what it means to be human, that we can define ourselves by our libido rather than our Lord. This snake of deception is the Fantastica Fornicato of the 21st century. It is intellectual pornography. It's pedagogical poison. It is the sin that leads to all other sins. Peter Boylo. It's the sin that probably ranks first precisely because it opens up the door, opens up Pandora's box. It releases the Kraken. It is the door to all other capital sins like pride, and avarice, and anger. <clears throat> Excuse me. Boilo again. It is the sloth of mental laziness. It is the complete anti-God state of mind, again, C.S. Lewis. It is pride, and it cometh before a fall. Salon. Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, God gave them up to a debased mind, and they were filled with all manner of malice and envy and murder and strife and deceit. And they were inventors of evil. St. Paul, in his letter to the Romans in the first century church. Let's read that Bible passage one more time. And listen to the words of St. Paul juxtaposed to the words of Justice Kennedy. 
And the irony is Kennedy supposedly is a faithful Catholic. He should get this. He should understand the teachings of the church, but he abandoned them. He bastardized them. He contaminated them. He flipped them upside down because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. God gave them up to a debased mind, and they were filled with all manner of malice. Sound familiar? Envy? Sound familiar? Murder? And strife and deceit sound familiar? Does this sound like critical race theory? Does this sound like intersectionality? Does this sound like cancel culture? Does this sound like LGBTQ plus subjectivity? They were inventors of evil. St. Paul, the first century, to the church in Rome. Back to what Kennedy said. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Close quote. No. No. In fact, if we walk through that door which our culture has, we aren't going to have liberty. You're going to find that what G.K. Chesterton warned of, that when you get rid of the big laws, the laws of God that actually define what it means to be human, what it means to be moral, what it means to be righteous, what it means to be just, why love is important, why virtue is important. When you get rid of all those big laws that are given to us by God, no, Justice Kennedy, you're not going to get more liberty. You're going to get a lot less. Because when you open up Pandora's box and release the kraken of subjectivity on all of Western society, on the United States of America, you're not going to have any self-control any longer because you've just given everybody license to be selfish to the maximum. And that selfishness sooner or later is going to have to be controlled. And it won't be self-control because of virtue any longer. It will be government control. It'll be the control of the gang or it will be the control of the one, the despot who steps in to solve this problem, to clean up the mess that you just created by releasing this kraken, this monster that is going to run rampant across culture and kill all of us. Literally. Literally. Because there will be no standard to stand in its way, other than one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Everything we're seeing in the news right now goes back to that stupid and foolish statement. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left and the only way we can stand against this nonsense is going back to the very things that are being disparaged because of that subjective claim of gnosis, of special knowledge, of flawed wisdom. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. <laughs>